Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family. From the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey everybody, we're we're back. Yes, we are. Episode yeah. 65, which is so seems like a like a lot. It is. You know what? Here's this for us. Yeah. I That's figured fair. out there's this little applause button on Kay. this recorder thing. You should hit I'm that all the time. Today. Yeah, I like it. You do? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah. You guys, we've been running around like crazy people with our heads cut off. Yeah, all actually, week. I was like standing in the yard for about 40 minutes trying to get our dog to go to the bathroom. That was annoying. Yeah, but you were, let's be real, you were s- just kind of doing something like that, staring into the sky or staring at the dog. And yeah. You, you allowed yourself just a moment. No, I was actually just getting really frustrated. No, you I were... wish I would have allowed myself a moment. Okay, well, you should have, because <laughs> you weren't thinking and doing 25 things. You were doing one. Yeah, that's true. And thinking about the 25 things I needed to get done while I was waiting for this dog to go to the bathroom. How many of us do it? Like, how many of us actually take on more than we should or more than we can handle and end up not reaching our potential at anything? Yeah, it's really hard. We're, we're balancing a lot. Like, we're balancing the tolerating of each other. Just kidding. But continuing ah. to grow our love, the children, the family life. We're starting a business. It's a difficult business. I'm going to read a quote just because you said that. Because I just saw it on Instagram like five seconds before we started our podcast. And it's this. It's from one of my favorite people, Tammy Hill, on Instagram. If you don't already follow her, you should. She's a sex therapist. She's freaking amazing. Taught at BYU. She's the best. Um. This is from a guest she had on, and the quote is, Pleasure has been erased in our culture. We too often rush through life. Life is meant to be pleasurable, pleasurable, and sex is part of that. Boom. I can dig it. Yeah. I don't know. I just I felt inspired. It. Felt like you should hear that. I'm glad you <laughs> shared that. If we're keeping it real. Yeah. Today, that's the goal. And yep. we are going a little unscripted today because there's a topic that's very close to my heart. And it's really the, the, the catalyst to this entire thing. I'm not going to bore you with my story. Many of you already know it. But after I decided to live <laughs> and attempted recovery and really dug my heels in and gained the support I needed and my family gained the support they needed, one of the things I did to like get my life back on track was, you know, after I got through all the wreckage as I went and started dating, I fell in love and we, d- we wanted to have a family. Well, I had to do this thing called work and, and make money and pay bills. And so we did the restaurant business for about a decade. And there was an incredible opportunity that led into that. But I knew for many years in it, it wasn't my calling. It wasn't what I really wanted to do. It wasn't as right. passionate about. And of course, there's a cliche thing. We all know what we're, we all want to do what we're passionate about, but it's really hard. So we had a chance to exit that business and we started Living Proof. And when I look back at why? Like, what was, what were we shooting at? Yeah. Right. Because addiction is such a massive problem on a massive scale. We have like homelessness is a is a national crisis. Yeah. It contributes to that. The corrections department. How many people go in and out of the corrections department because of these addictions? Massive problem. I wanted to help more people like me in my situation, which were people who had a family, people left that wanted to help, desired to help had the means to help, but just couldn't quite figure out how. Yeah. And one of the things that held every one of them hostage is doubt. So that is the topic for today. It's the doubt that kills. 
I love it. I can't wait. I have a quote. Since you already shared a quote, I looked it up too. And there's a famous quote out there that says, and I'm sure most of you have already heard it, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. It's honestly super powerful. I mean, it's like cheesy, but then also like super true. Outside of addiction, even anything. Yeah, right. Failure to reach your potential. Well, doubt kills more people than addiction does. And I know they're all different walks of life. I know that everyone comes from different family backgrounds. Some people don't, might not have a family who can or helps support them or wants to help support them. But doubt is the killer. Yeah, I wanna. I want you to tell me why. I, I want to understand that. Every person that goes down the path of addiction, in my opinion, has two deaths. Two deaths. Yeah. Okay. The first death is when they doubt that they can ever escape, and when those closest to them, right, your yeah. family, your support group, your yeah, people, their, their spouse, or your siblings, siblings, everybody around you, your little tribe, yeah. they doubt that you can get better. That anything will help. That oh. you'll ever escape this. Yeah, that's... Now, the second would be the actual death. Yeah. And you know what? Just to call myself out, maybe there's three. Maybe the second one is your spiritual death. For sure. You know, and then the third... That's actually, I think that's number one, because that like is required for your addiction Correct. to thrive. Correct. So we just solved that right here. Do yeah. you see that? Yeah. So number one, spiritual death. Number two... The death of, like, any hope left Doubt. in yourself or your family. Yep. And then third's the actual. Wow, that's actually really sad. Nothing in life will make you doubt every single thing. Every decision you make, every thought you have, more than your loved one's addiction. That, and it is. Again, to, to back up, that's why I started this. That's why I started this, because I wanted more families to have success. And does that mean every single time that their loved one's going to choose recovery? No, it does not. Does that mean that they're going to be able to save every one of these people that they love? No, it does not. But the family gives them a chance. Yeah. And they set themselves free from what? Regret. Doubt. Yeah. Regret. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yep. So if you love someone who's spiraling out of control in their addiction, right? It could be sex addiction, prescription medication, alcohol. And here's the reality. You've heard me share this concept over and over and over. What you know is just the tip of the iceberg. Yes. And I'll continue to scream it till the day I die because if you're a parent, if you're a sibling, if you're a spouse and someone you love has gotten to a point bad enough where you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we got to do something. We got to do something. We got to raise the flag, sound the alarm. We got to step in and help. The fear that you're doing that out of is based on just a tiny fraction of what's really going on. Oh, amen. I, no one, no one knows what's really going on. Nope. And there's always the argument of, oh, no, they tell me everything, or they just do it, and they don't even care if I know. No, they're just allowing you to know enough. Yeah. So I don't want to sit and harp on that one. But the reason why that's so powerful is when people grasp onto the truth that every single time that person you love is in, involved with consuming, doing 10 times more than you are aware of, what should that do? Well, the thought is maybe that should make you depressed or even more scared. No, it should motivate you to act. To do something. Yeah. Because you're already motivated. Yeah, but I I just know from experience, like, 
it's almost like the scarier or like the more intense the situation is, is the more you doubt your uh, ability to have an influence Correct. over it, right? Like, Correct. So I want to go through that. You doubt yourself. Yeah. There's two section. There's two aspects of doubt, and every one of you know this. If you're listening now and you love someone who's dealing with their addiction, you you know this to be true. There's doubt for you, and of course, there's doubt for them, right? Your doubt is, am I overreacting? I'm gonna. I mean, I, I wrote down a few. Is it really that bad? Did did I possibly do something to contribute or to cause this? That's a big one. That's a big one. Should I tell my family and friends? I mean, when you get yourself into this terrible situation, should I tell other people? You doubt that you should do that. What will happen? Will it ruin our reputation? How will it affect my other children if they find out? What if they don't choose me? Or what if they don't choose recovery? Well, what if it doesn't work? What if I leave? What if I push them away? What if we move? What if we change schools? Maybe it would change if, if, when winter ends or they get it out of this toxic relationship or as soon as COVID's over. Maybe the right medication will solve this. Is this really life or death? What if they don't accept help? What if, what if? Yeah, and I can think of like some more too where it's like I know so many people that, that will stop. Even though they, they know like things are bad, they'll kind of like put it on ice because they're worried about other um, ramifications, right? Like, oh, well, what if their work finds out? Like then then that then he'll lose his job and then it'll get even worse. Or what if his ex-wife finds out and then she tries to battle him for custody? Or what if, I mean, there's so many things, right, that would cause you to be like, wait a minute, I should not do what my gut is telling me to do because I'm wrong. Like, Yes. You know what I'm, when you just shared that, it reminded me of something. As a former addict, the highs and lows were incredible. I mean, I, I experienced the highs of highs that I'll probably never be able to tap back into. Yeah, sorry were, about that, Dan. They were that great, right? But the lows were the lowest you could ever imagine, right? Yeah. So there's this roller coaster of up and downs that a person in addiction goes through. I know from firsthand experience, and yeah. it happens to all of them. But there's also this roller coaster that you go through. Yeah. Right? That ebbs and flows. There's times when, and I talk to people every single day, multiple times a day, where they're in a crisis. There was an overdose. There was something drastic and terrible that just happened. Okay. I don't want to get into the details, but we're talking about the worst of the worst. Right. Right. But then they always get sucked back into those times that are good. So, oh, 100%. Because how quickly can that happen? Right. Like somebody can literally like leave the hospital and two days later manipulate you into thinking like, oh, man, that was scary. Whew, good thing I'm back together. Like, good thing I'm going to work today or good thing I... Learn my lesson from that. And then you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, cool. And when someone's self-medicating, here's how it happens. When they're taking the perfect concoction or they're, they're medicating themselves correctly with whatever it is they're using. Yeah. Right? Adderall, whatever. When they're in that place of bliss, like that place of perfection. Yeah. They're very convincing. For sure. And they actually feel that way. There's, there's a lot of truth to how they feel. Yeah. It's just, it's not real. Yeah. And so... When you get to these bad moments where things are terrible, it's because they're in a place of terrible. Yeah. And so I, I think it's interesting to remember that one of the things that fuels doubt more than anything are the periods when things seem to be good. Man, they seem like they're doing great. Yeah, everything's good. I just saw them. They looked great. Yeah, maybe I was overreacting. Maybe, yeah. maybe that just something magically changed. Yeah. 
Oh, for sure. I can totally see that. I, I've experienced that. Doubt is a killer. Yeah. Because then it just puts you back right where you started. We're like, we're, we're fine. We know yeah. there's... We know there's like a little problem, but it's not that big of a deal. The hell that your loved one is stuck in is one that I was stuck in for many years, and they doubt everything. But that doubt is completely removed. It, it, it's, it vanishes when they consume the poisons that they're consuming. I mean, do you mean, when you say that, do you mean like they experience doubt that they could ever survive without this? Both, yes. They doubt that they could survive without it. But they doubt that their life is going to be salvageable, right? There's a delusional point they live in where they're like living a double life and yeah. they're doing both things. But most of them eventually and quickly fall into a place where it's like, yeah, my life's pathetic. Like, and they doubt that they can get themselves. They out doubt of that, that they can get help, but they don't have to feel that doubt for more than a second. Yeah, that's that's what's crazy is the second that feeling. And I actually remember you telling me that one time is like, as soon as you felt like. The wreckage from like your life and and some relationships that you were in at the time, like as soon as you felt the heaviness of that like train wreck, you just could immediately oh I had the solution get, get out of it. Like you didn't have to stay in that feeling. No, and that's the trap. Like it's actually incredible when you have a way out. Like all of us wish we did. That's been one of the hardest parts of my recovery over the years is learning to sit in that dysfunction. Yeah, to sit in that uncomfortable place and not yeah. be able to just be like. Pew! Well, or, and I would add to that, like for you specifically, for you to know exactly how to not feel that way and to not act on it. Correct. And that takes what? Help. Oh, Support help. Support from yep. a lot of people. So your loved one, their their section of doubt, the things that they're doubting is, well, maybe I don't need a program. Maybe I just need a new therapist or maybe I need a new job. Maybe it's my kids and my wife that are stressing me out. You know, every one of you have thought to yourself, what happened to that amazing person? Yeah. They're gone. They're being held captive and hostage by the most cunning thing on the face of the planet. Their doubt is hard to actually, like, come to clarity because it's gone the second it's felt. Your doubt sits with you every step of the way. And eats you alive. It eats you alive. So my passion in this program was to help families remove doubt. Without a doubt, and I'm not going to get emotional because I watch people do it on a daily basis, there are going to be very difficult and drastic decisions coming up. When What I mean by that is boundaries being set, lines being drawn in the sand. Yeah. And it'll cause you to doubt everything. Your doubt will transition into fear of like how much worse this could be or if, if things are going to spiral out of control even more. Yeah. But the only way you can, the only way you can move past doubt is remembering that what you're trying to do, and that's what our program does, and that's what we're trying to help families do, is learn how to approach this situation by removing doubt and fear and actually doing and putting together the only thing that will help them. But even when you do that, you'll continually feel doubt. Yeah. You'll settle right back into the dysfunction. So doubt is the killer. Doubt kills more people than addiction. Because as soon as the family buys into doubt, 
it, it's there's hard to kick one. out. Yeah. There's death number one. Number two. Sorry, yes, number two. We identified number one, didn't we? Yeah. This process is difficult. It's one that cannot be done on your own. And it's it's one that is an evolving. It's a process. Like, why? Can I ask you a question? Why do you think that? Like, wh- why do you think it can't be done on your own? Because you will continually fall victim to what we're just talking about now. Yeah, like even if like you get super pumped and you're like, yes, that is exactly what I need to do. 100%. I'm in. Okay, so here's an example. Just today, working with a woman whose husband's addiction has progressed, right? He just recently lost his job. They have a beautiful family, beautiful kids. They're all awesome people. Not long ago, this their life was just like the picture-perfect life. The husband's now, his addictions progressed from things that were being prescribed by a doctor to where then he's getting them He's going in shady ways to get them and obtaining them by lying and deceiving people and doctor shopping and all that. And then it just recently progressed into getting them from other people, right? But we're, when I say getting them, getting drugs, they're still talking about drugs that come from an actual pharmacy. Right. But it's compiling to where he has removed himself and living in a hotel room. The kids are starting to recognize everything. Everyone's worst fears coming to life. There's sexual things being involved, right? The drug addictions have cross addictions that lead to other things. And so this woman is aware of what's going on. And again, that incredible person that was the most charismatic, awesome person who lit up the room whenever they walked in is now she's looking at him in this dysfunction. Okay. So she's formulating a plan. We're working together to to get him help, to be able to set boundaries that say, hey, this is what we're going to do to support you. This is what you need to do. Anything outside of that, sorry, we're done. I know that's at a very high level, <laughs> Yeah. but to sum it up quickly, even then she falls back into doubt. Gosh, maybe we just today, maybe we, maybe we don't need to take this drastic a measure. You know, maybe if he did find a new therapist or something, this it would change things. And I know his job is super stressful. So maybe if he found a new job, this would all go away. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> what, what your brain can do? Because the reason why is not because she's not bright. Oh, she's it, she's ridiculously sharp and right, intelligent. Right, right. It's, it's literally because of that doubt is so real and so overwhelming and so powerful that it would cause a person to pull back because the thought of having to take that, that unknown path, right, of what if, what if, what if, is so absolutely terrifying that they would actually rather just kind of revert back to the dysfunction they're used to. Mm-hmm. At least that's that's a comfortable place that they're they're aware of that dysfunction, so they're okay with it. Instead of go leap into this un- unknown space of like I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe maybe it could work, but most likely my brain's going to tell me it absolutely won't work, and then it's going to be my fault. So I said I asked her and. I'm so glad you said that. I pushed back and I said, so what is the thing you, what, what's the biggest doubt? Well, well, they're not going to accept help. Okay, what's the biggest fear? That they're not going to choose me. And that's real. There is, it's so real. This is a very real, beautiful, incredible person and their family. My gosh. Doubt, for some reason, when it comes to addiction is just so powerful. Yeah. We've said it before. It doesn't matter. Any other life-threatening situation, illness, yeah. disease, doubt is removed. I mean, 
there's the doubt of like, gosh, I hope this works, right? Like, yeah. But the doubt of should we do something? Right. Am I overreacting? If I tell them they have to do something that's this intense, yeah. will that cause Ooh. them to isolate me more or kick, you know? Should I tell my parents? Should I tell my other siblings? Should I tell his family? Yeah. Should I involve more people? Should I pull the fire alarm? We can't give you all the components to our program here over this show, but I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. It was created to remove very specifically, I could have done something else. Yeah. I wish I would have done something else. Was there something else I should have done? There's something different, something different I could have possibly done. Because whether they die from this or they enter recovery and become the best version of themselves, someone has got to give them a chance. And that is why I scream from the rooftops and I'm sick and tired of the way that our world approaches addiction. We're talking and everyone's trying to talk to a person that's sick. No one ever gets through to them. Here's, here's the elephant in the room. Behavioral health centers around the country, and gosh, there's some amazing ones. I live in Utah, and there's a, there's a ton of incredible behavioral health rehabilitation centers here. What are they full of? 85% of the people there are court-ordered by a judge. Someone's now, like, demanding it. You go to this program, start a recovery health, you do X amount of things, or you go to jail. That is who is filling all of these places. And I believe we can change that. Does that mean it's a guarantee? No. Does it mean when families learn how to do this, when they learn how to become the judge and give their loved one no other ch choice but to go get help, that it will save them all? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean it for the judge either. A lot of people get put into these programs as a chance to do it before they get incarcerated, and most of them end up incarcerated. The difference here between you and a judge, like you as a family and a judge, is the judge, the court system has no way of supporting them after. Yes. You do. And that is the most massive component. And that, that's what's so interesting is it's it's lack of knowledge that's really the big problem yep. there, right? It's not it's not desire, it's not resources, it's literally lack of know-how. And what's interesting is like I can go on Google and be like, how do I apply a pixel to my website? Or how do I do blah blah blah? And guess what? I'll get all these amazing tutorial videos. But if you type in, how do I help my addicted loved one, you come up with nothing. Yeah. There is no tutorial until now. I mean, that's literally what we created, like the full, the full process, the whole playbook, all of it, tutorial. Um, but it's really sad because those people that are in those situations are just completely lost. Well, it's sad, too, because we're now experiencing firsthand when we're pushing this program to a larger scale across the nation and putting money and resources behind getting it out there to people, we are facing every single roadblock imaginable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, we could literally sell, we could sell ketamine on Facebook all day long. And, and we can't sell help to people um, who are in these life and death situations with their loved and ones. And you know why it is? It's a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle. And addiction is the number one, like, weapon. It is. To taking souls because it, 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 it basically removes the greatest resource for each of these people in these situations. Yeah. It's their family. Yeah. Well, and it, what's sad about it is it's like 
the family is actually like watching the slow death of their loved one. And it's almost like having that bad dream where you're screaming, but like nothing comes out. That's what the family is left with pretty much. It, it, with all the families that we've worked with, that that's like the common theme is that they're like, we're trying. We feel like we've tried everything. We're trying, we're trying, we're trying. And there's just not the information, not not the sequencing, not the process that it takes. And it's a hard, it's a lot. It requires a lot. But my gosh, when you love someone, you're willing to do anything. It is. It's how you exit the the, the cycle of insanity. Yeah. But it is the playbook for families. There's no greater there's no greater threat in the world to addiction than a family that effectively learns how to intervene and support a full program of recovery. We created this to help you remove the doubt that you could have done more, that you should have done something different. There's something else that could have been done. So today I really hope, like, if, if you listened this far in the podcast and you love somebody who is addicted, um, to think about that. Like, put yourself there and, like, what doubts are you having that yeah. are keeping you from actually doing something? I, I, I want you to finish with the serenity prayer before you do is, yes, I her challenge was perfect. Own your doubt. What is it that you're doubting? Ask for help. Reach out to us. Get the tools that you need to be able to set these boundaries, to, to formulate an opportunity where they have a chance. That's all we're trying to do. We're doing the unthinkable, difficult thing by get, to give them a chance and to remove yourself of this place of doubt and fear. Yeah. That is it. And when the magical part is, you know, we don't know. If you do this and your loved one was to choose help immediately, great. It might be years down the road, but you're ready, you're prepared, and you know what that looks like. Yeah. So if you're doubting yourself and you have been for years, just know that most people do. Yeah, you're definitely not If you've not been alone. doubting that maybe this was going to magically go away, maybe doubting that you did something to contribute to this, maybe doubting un some terrible, poor circumstances that happened to them, maybe some trauma they experienced, some disabilities they dealt with, whatever it is, own your doubt. Get the help and resources you need. It will set you free and it will give them a chance. Had, had my family not learned how to do this, I wouldn't be here today. No, you would not. Um, so head to our website, watch our masterclass. It's free, and I guarantee it'll be the most seen you have felt in quite a while if you love um, anyone addicted to anything. Um, but before we go, I am going to read the serenity prayer for families because this is just, this is it. This is everything, okay? God grant me the serenity to accept that I cannot change other people. The courage to change who I can and the wisdom to know that it is me. Stop doubting. Get yourself the help you need. And hopefully one day they'll thank you for it. Hope you guys have a great week.